Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Find written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right Welcome to now. The Helmet. Look at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm Chad Parsons. Got a super, super special guest. After about a two-month vacation, Katie, it's great to periodically have you on and, and made me think of you because NFL Combine is here. Katie Flower, the diva of Devi, and talking rookies, talking NFL Combine, and just catching up after a couple of months. So great to have you here. Great to have you back in the saddle. And uh, certainly not going to wear out my invites and welcome, but this was a, a very applicable time, kind of checking the pulse here as we had a new data point in the offseason. I was thrilled to get your text message and very excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And of course, you know, everyone's getting the show a little early. So that's a, a big perk as well. Katie, Katie, uh, choosing the schedule and I am flexible early in the week here. And yeah, uh, the combine just got over. I'm still redoing a lot of the rookie stuff uh, that hasn't debuted on the site yet. But uh, the combine is here. And I'll, I'll, I'll just start out by saying it was a really interesting one that, you know, they, they pushed everything for the skill positions to the weekend uh, running back. It's always ambiguous. They put running back at the very end. You know, they were the ones last running a 40 uh, and then Saturday, just a barrage of, of pass catchers and quarterbacks and just everything in front of our face. It's a key point in the off season, but it's also a, a point of not saying it's overly important and it's, it's merely shading things, not maybe overriding everything of a college career or what's yet to come with their, their draft position. Yeah, absolutely. And you hear this a lot on Twitter and a lot of other people are always saying, don't double count the combine. If you know they're fast and they prove they're fast, they just check the box. They don't get an up or a down. But if they, if you think they're fast and they end up slow, then you can gig them. And same thing, if you thought they were going to be slow and they end up faster, then yes, you can increase and adjust and and do that. So you, this is an eye test in a different way than an actual game because you don't play a game in your underwear. It's full shoulders, you know, pads and helmets. And guys that can move fast without all that on aren't necessarily as agile with it all uh, on. And, and some guys are tougher and stronger and faster in-game situation with the competition. It's a different beast so it's just another checkpoint that's it yeah and and i think this quarterback class you know we we play a lot of super flex to quarterback and you know you still may have you know one uh one or multiple of these these higher end quarterbacks in a in a shallower devy that's still available so between and again we have i don't think we talked since the the declaration uh there in mid-january so uh you got four quarterbacks likely to go in the top half of round one and they all have their own little story you know bryce young with with his his size you know is he going to be overly mobile cj stroud looking the part but he really only ran and extended plays to a high degree in that one game versus Georgia. Will Levis is going to be that, you know, has the tools, but a project player, how mobile is he going to be? And then Anthony Richardson just blew the doors off. And even if you mentioned double counting, it didn't even seem at the combine like anyone was really counting on that, you know, 244 pounds, 443, uh, you know, and just... I mean, checking boxes like he were an elite running back. And I mean, I had optimistic expectations for for what he would do at the combine, but this is rarefied air that you've rarely seen. And, and there's more beyond that, but that's sort of the big four jostling for, for QB one through four positions right now. 
Right. And you, you omitted the one name that I think belongs up there and very well could, you know, if he gets the draft capital, if he goes first round, like I think he will, is Hennon Hooker. And he didn't even work out because of an injury from a few months ago. Yeah, absolutely. And he's, he's mobile, you know, he's, he's rangy. And, and like you said, I mean, we're probably not going to probably going to see much from him uh, and that may hold him back from round one, but he's another one, like you said, a wild card that they could get in there. Um, and I think you- that in dynasty drafts though, that could be a big advantage. I think he's going to be that sleeper, the guy that you can get for a, a peanut in the second round of maybe even third round of drafts as depending on his draft capital. But if those other guys go in the first round, he may be the fifth quarterback in a super flex off the board. And that's a bargain. I think it's going to be. Yeah. And, and you, the, the guys that get first round pedigree, but yet you're paying, you know, like you said, a mid second or, or somewhere in round two of, of, of drafts, that's where you can really benefit. Um, and he's going to be one that's probably going to be viewed as uh, a red shirt, you know, in terms of he's probably going to go somewhere that they already have a starter. It might be a Jordan love like situation, uh, that you're still getting pedigree, but yet if you have that patience factor, it could pay off big. Did you have any, uh, strong thoughts on, on some of the top guys? Are you worried about Bryce young? Does you know, him weighing in over 200 pounds, that matter to you. Um, you know, CJ Stroud had a really clean, uh, really clean combine performance. You know, d- does that really matter much at all? I liked CJ Stroud's performance. It just did the checkbox though. It was what I expected. Um, I'm not the biggest Will Levis fan. His stats are horrible. His uh, adjusted yards per attempt are very, very anemic down in the seven point something um, his ratio of touchdowns, interceptions, just not a, maybe he's got some big time talent. He looked fairly smooth. His footwork mm, needs some work, but overall, I think he's going to be overdrafted. And is he the dynasty darling that everybody thinks he is? I don't think he's a, a particularly mobile guy that uses his legs. So if he's just the arm, will it develop his accuracy? I mean, there's just so many question marks. So he didn't go up or down for me. I'm not that concerned about Bryce Young and his size, but I don't know. I mean, if if you're going to give me the option between Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, I would take C.J. Stroud 100% of the time. Yeah, and, and this is one that it's going to be really interesting with landing spots because – you know, is someone going to trade up to 101? And is that pick going to be Bryce Young? And then it just seems like we're going to get a pretty stacked board. And a lot of times, you know, that first quarterback off the board isn't necessarily, you know, the one that has the strongest possibilities uh, for being a fantasy starter. It's easy to get kind of sucked into that. But if they aren't 101, then I think uh, it becomes a very interesting conversation there. Uh, running back, and this is fresh in our minds, uh, just happened, you know, over the last few hours, we're recording this on Sunday night. And we saw plenty of of people not run. Uh, you know that that they're going to save their workout, the actual testing part, other than the positional drills for their pro day. But the ones that we did see run, you know, we saw the first four, five, six projected in terms of NFL draft order. Bijan all the way through a lot of the competitors for top 100 picks. Let's say um, I'll, I'll just start out. You know, and this is fresh. I haven't even recorded a, a premium show on the the recap here for running backs. But Jameer Gibbs, you know, coming in at 199, I was like, uh, you know, he, that that was going to be uh, part of the thing I was looking for. But you know, that four running four th- four three six is something that 
was beyond what my expectation was. And I do think that that moves the needle. It's going to be hard, I think, to keep him out of round one uh, as the as the running back two, where I didn't know, you know, drifting into the the top 30 versus being outside and and you know 40 overall, something like that is a, a decent deal there at the running back position. So Gibbs undersized, but you talk about an electric receiver, and then now you pair him with 4-3X. And, and that's a, a quality profile that if you ran 4-5-0, it just doesn't have the same look. Oh, I absolutely agree. And I did record the combine, and I was watching the running backs. I had to fast forward through all those offensive linemen. I finally got the running backs. I was all excited. I watched them do their uh, running but I didn't get to watch enough to see them catch or do any of the other drills. But from what I saw, I was really impressed with Tank Bixby, how much he weighed in his 40 time. He looked good running. um, And I've liked him all along. I didn't get to see Sean Tucker. Did he run? He didn't run. Uh, He uh, weighed in at 207, which I thought was a little disappointing. He was listed at what, 210 or so. So it's. Right. I thought he was trimming down to run and run well. He's a track guy, but yeah, we're going to have to wait on him and a number of intriguing others like Kendra Miller, et cetera. Right, right, right. Um, I have been impressed and I have him in a few Debbie leagues. Rashawn Johnson, the other r- running back from Texas, he uh, has a prototypical size and he has pretty good uh, speed for his size. So he looked good. Um, there was I thought I, I will say one thing with Roshan Johnson. I thought he had freak potential. You know, yep. like the, he was listed at two twenty five, and I was like, this is a guy that could run the four four. So four five eight for me and two nineteen. Yes, it's fine. You know, anytime you're close to two twenty and you're running the four fives, that's fine. But I think he had a lot more. I, I, I read and you know researched and all this. You know, more upside than that. I thought that was a little disappointing. Kenny McIntosh uh, also was a surprise. Oh yeah, that was, oh, four, yeah. Six, four six two, and then weighing it at two oh four instead of the listed two ten two fifteen. Uh, I think that's going to be interesting because I think you need to be more dynamic than that as a receiving centric guy in terms of how he was used in college in that UGA ro- rotation. And then another one who didn't run, Zach Evans, at two hundred two pounds. You know, that's. When you're saying there's a three pound difference between he and Jameer Gibbs, now I get the the day three talk, you know, with Zach Evans, as opposed to why is this not guy not going in the top sixty? I I think he's kind of looking more like a day three guy. It doesn't mean you have to be out on him. It doesn't mean he's not going to work out well, but it just means he's full on tweener sized, not a prototypically sized guy. Yeah. And there are quite a few. What do you think of Chase Brown? I thought he looked pretty good. Yeah, I do. Uh, I I thought you know at two hundred nine pounds running four four three, that's one of the better combinations we saw. You know, because up in the top a hundred, I think Charbonnet, you know, increased his profile, solidified it. He weighed in light, and I was like, he better run well, and he certainly did. Four five three. Uh, I would rather take that than two twenty at four six zero. You know, and so I, I thought he trimmed down. He looked good in the positional drills as well. But yeah, between Bigsby and Chase Brown, I mean, these are the types of names. Probably round three, maybe they sneak into late, late round two. Uh, but yeah, Chase Brown has plenty of juice. Uh, looking at his, you know, burst score, which is the, you know, the weighted ten yard split. Uh, but yeah, running four four three overall and having a forty inch vertical, just checking a lot of boxes. You know, I think it's going to be. You know, if he slips to day three, he's going to be one of those interesting profiles that might slip to round three of rookie drafts. Right. One guy that I've been out on in Debbie, I don't have any shares. Uh, what do you think of Devin A. Chain? He did run fast and he yeah. is small, uh, but overall. I just, I, I honestly thought, you know, 432 for a real sub sized guy isn't overly impressive. 
you know, and and honestly, like you look at some of his receiving stuff, I don't think he's he's not a Gibbs. He's not, you know, one of these naturally elite receivers. And so you're saying, I'm going to take a subsized guy and I'm going to take one that is not going to be a true running back. And I'm going to take a guy that I don't think is a, a game breaking natural receiver like a McCaffrey that's going to catch 100 balls. So I so he's the one where it's like, I don't almost don't care what pedigree he gets because I'm just going to kind of be out. Like if, if he goes 50 overall, I, I think drafters will take him higher than I will. So it's immaterial. If he falls to 90 overall, I'm still going to be lower than everybody else. So yeah, that yeah. was pretty much my feeling. He's and the one that I, doesn't make it, sense. Yeah. Depending on his his drop capital and his landing spot. I mean, he could be one of those Fugazis in the middle of the first round. And it's like, let your league mates make that mistake. And uh, again, Tajay Spears is just, they talked about him a lot on the broadcast. It seems like he could be round three bound instead of round four or five. I'll be interested. He didn't run. I think he'll work out pretty well. 201 pounds though. Uh, you know, we, we have a lot of guys that are in that 200 to 210 range. And Katie, you know, we scout the we scout the the posterior and the the bottom half. And yeah. some of these guys are just a little lighter than we would like. And they they can look, you know, rocked up, you know, when they're wearing their sleeveless and all this stuff. But you put them in a uniform and we see them in the preseason, all of a sudden 205 pounds doesn't look that big. And we might not be projecting a big workload for them. I like steak, buds, and I cannot lie. <laughs> Yeah. And so again, we had we had about half of them that didn't end up running. So so I think that's a, a good lay of the land here. And I'll just say, you know, we I'll, I still have the Katie Flower quote about Deuce Evan Vaughn. And I'm rooting for that guy, but man, 179 pounds. You know, he he and Keaton Mitchell both came in light in the 170s. And it's like that that limits everything about you. So unfortunately. Did he run a three two eight? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Well, we don't know. We will have to wait for the pro day on the 328. If you're liking this NFL combine coverage, I would direct you to UTHDynasty.com. I've already recorded nearly an hour over this past weekend with recap series shows on the premium side of UTH for each of the skill positions for the NFL combine, going into every single player who worked out their weigh-ins, their athletic workout, their on-field testing as well. So look for that over there on UTH Premium. Uh, Also, key players in the news. Kyle Trask, potential starter for Tampa Bay this year. Rashad White with Leonard Fournette's release. Nico Collins, an interesting prospect in terms of his career arc so far. And Rashad Bateman is another one where he has an interesting profile entering year three here. You can check all that out as a general manager plus subscriber at UTHDynasty.com. Back to the show. Um, wide receiver, this was, I'll tell you, Katie, just my overall observation. This was a disappointing weekend for the wide receivers. Uh, all this talk about five, maybe six wide receivers in the first round. I'm not seeing it, Katie. Some of these subsized guys and the way they worked out. I, and I know it's the one position where you, you, you're like, if they can play, if they can get open, if they're productive in college, give them a pass. I'm only going to give them a half pass because some of these guys, I mean, Zay Flowers looks better by comparison, but someone like Jordan Addison's workout, uh, you know, like why is Addison considered a top 20 or 25 pick and Josh Downs is considered a round two guy? Like they're very similar guy. I, I'm just, anyway, so I, I don't think we have a lot of locks. I think it's Quentin Johnson, Jackson Smith, and Jigba in round one. I don't have high confidence of any other singular person for sure going in round one. I agree with you. And I was most 
my eye kept going to Zay Flowers. I thought he was smooth. He had nice hands. He wasn't fighting the ball. His gauntlet was, you know, he he was right there mentally and uh, just like Josh Downs, for example, I did, wasn't impressed with him, made a couple mistakes out there, wasn't really paying attention or listening, uh, very unimpressed with uh, Keishon Butte and yeah what was that about he comes in at 195 and he runs a 450 i thought this was supposed to be a 200 plus pound guy that was going to run the four threes right i mean wow that was i was not expecting that at all i don't know like a top 40 top 50 pick i don't see it at all yeah and we've said this before the strength of a rookie draft for dynasty isn't in the wide receivers anyway it's in the running backs and quarterbacks if it's a super flex, which is what most people should be playing anyway. And so uh, the only thing that this really changes is I think there will be some late possible gems, but there's a very good potential for a lot of misses. If people just keep hanging on to the name Butte from Debbie or Addison or a lot of these guys, then they're going to let some running backs, some good quality running backs go by. Yeah. And, and the main thing is, are we going to get enough running backs with high enough pedigree to fill the spots? You know, right. like, because right. if it's a two tight end draft, I think there's going to be plenty of two uh, of tight ends intrigue. We'll get there in a second. But yeah, the wide receivers are almost place fillers. And, uh, you know, if you say, well, I don't really like, you know, certain profiles and they're the ones that get good pedigree, you're you're in a tough spot, which means you trade down, you trade out, you you know remain flexible with your picks and don't get tunnel vision saying I have to make this 107 pick. You don't have to. There's there's a myriad of options. You can try to trade up, you can try to trade down or out to next year. Um, yeah, one guy, and it's no surprise because we talked about the the value of Devi. We've been talking about this guy for two three years now, which is Marvin Mims. No surprise that he impressed. No surprise. Like I saw a lot of mocks with him in like deep in day three. It's like what? And now he comes out. Certainly, you know, was one of the impressive players. Uh, he's one of the youngest players, and he ran four three eight. He did everything you wanted for a subsize, smaller wide receiver to do. And now I think at minimum he's going on day two. And why does he not have an argument to go ahead of some of these other subsize guys? Yeah, and I liked him in college, and I good for him on hopefully raising his stock. Yeah. I wanted to ask you selfishly, a guy I've never heard of. Uh, he transferred a couple of times, but he actually had his best year at Arkansas last year, which is Matt Landers. He ran in the oh, four threes. Yeah. Can you give me a little backstory? Six four, two hundred, ran four three seven, and he produced a little bit, but obviously not a prototypically productive guy. Right. This year was the only year that he got playing time and he looked good. He was clutch. He impressed over and over again. I didn't, I didn't see his 40 times. So I had no idea. He just ran that, but he's a, I would think a raw prospect that would need some time. I wouldn't waste an early pick on him, but if he, if he's still there in, you know, mid late third, but he's in, but yeah, like he went from, I wasn't tracking him at all to, I got to add this guy into the projection model and see what's going on here. And he did some good things in terms of forcing missed tackles, averaged 19 yards per catch, uh, yeah. yards per route run. He checked all these boxes, didn't drop a ton of balls. So yeah. he might be younger on the developmental curve uh, just in terms of experience level. But I don't know. He's the exact type of guy that these NFL teams should be looking at in day three of just taking a shot on athleticism that's still 
being molded, you know, and someone that could stick, you know, probably play specials and, you know, be one of those gunners, you know, as your wide receiver five and see what happens from there into year two. So um, another Debbie name, one, one other one I would mention is, is Rakeem Jared. He's another one, 192. Where we track, we were tracking this guy at 205, 210 the entire time during Debbie, you know, during his career. And it seems like his weight was actually going down. So either, it, you know, it was lying season and all of a sudden people are getting more and more honest as we get through his career. But then he ran 444, wasn't overly productive. I mean, downward ever since like an 18 year old breakout for Rakeem Jared. And now it looks like he's just going to be, uh, you know, blending in on day three. The one thing that I do think he, he, Definitely looks the part, though. Talk about smooth and and soft hands. Uh, he makes it look so easy. So w- maybe it's a head thing for him. Maybe it's between the ears and why he hasn't really clicked. Right. Uh, tight end. Uh, this was it, it was interesting. The last I don't know if you saw on the broadcast they had the uh, the l- absolute last rep. I mean I don't know if they they called this from the the booth, but they got Darnell Washington on the one hand or adjusting backwards. Got that highlight little uh, little moment, little snippet that they could play fifty times on Sunday and uh, could post everywhere on social media. Uh, but Darnell Washington gave them that in the last. It was like a goal line fade drill they were using. Um, but I mean, this class with three or four tight ends up at the top, uh, and Daniel Jeremiah made a great point. We just talked about wide receivers maybe fading out of round one. What's to stop NFL teams from maybe targeting a tight end instead of a wide receiver in the twenties or or early thirties there? Yeah, exactly. And I did not get to watch the tight ends work out, but uh, I'd be interested in your take. I I really was looking forward to Dalton Kincaid working out and. Yeah. And then no, yeah, disappointing that he's the one that, again, athletically and uh, you know not considered much of a blocker, but considered a very good receiver. Well, we still need to know, you know, at two, yeah. and he was the lightest one projected. To, you know, he weighed in at two forty six, the the smallest of of the top three four guys. But the fact that we got good times, four fives, four sixes out of almost everybody, not Michael Mayer, um, but it was one where it was really tough to see. You know, Kincaid. Now we're going to get hopefully get him at the pro day. Um, but yeah, a couple points I had was Michael Mayer. You know, running the four sevens isn't a really good look when everybody else is running four six five or better. Um, Luke Musgrave being as rangy as he was, and and Darnell Washington. I'll just say this: I'm coming around on him a little bit. I'm I'm still not the highest on him. I don't get these Gronk comparisons. I don't think he's as fluid, um, and I think he's going to be used quite a bit as a blocker at the at the NFL level. So I don't have him in Gronk. Gronk was an elite producer in college. And you can you can say Brock Bowers is there, and you can say, well, that's the reason, and he gets every single pass for not being some dominating producer. I don't give guys passes. Like it, you know, if you were the absolute goods, his production score should be higher than thirty four percent. If you're a matchup nightmare, you should be higher than thirty four percent. So it's not like they had dominating wide receivers as well as Brock Bowers in that passing game. So I just I, I will draw that line and say, please don't do a Gronk comp. But I'm coming around on saying. This is really nice for two tight end drafts, or if it's two PPR or something like that. Because I think late first, early second, you're going to get a look at some of these guys that have really strong pedigree. Absolutely. Um, anyone stand out for the tight ends? I know I had to add two or three guys of just like the sleeper kinds because we got some really good workouts there on Saturday. No, but one of the things I love about Debbie is I think that uh, you you stood up for this guy for two years in a row in one of our drafts, Sam Laporta, and yeah. so that's off. He I I heard that he worked out pretty well. He looked pretty good. 
Yeah, 90% athleticism score, uh, 245 pounds, ran 459, one of the better times. And, you know, all those ancillary drills are really important. He ran the best three cone um, out of everybody at uh, 691. Uh, he just, he had that Evan Ingram with the Giants syndrome where they ran him on five yard outs for most of his Iowa career. So, uh, yeah, Laporta, he's like the only guy right now that's solidly in that maybe late second round to third round range of the NFL draft. We'll see if other guys pop up. But, uh, and another one, I just want to shout out Jack Koontz uh, because, I remember him from Debbie. You know, we we saw him drafted as an incoming freshman in some of those diabolically deep leagues because he was in that Penn State at the time pipeline where it was Mike Gesicki and then there was somebody else and it was Jack Coons. He had, there was two or three other guys in that program. He ended up not producing, going over to ODU, Old Dominion. And I really was not tracking him as a strong workout guy. How about 99%? How about six seven? He ran four five five, blew the doors off. He really does look like Mike Gesicki, you know, coming out in terms of all the things. You know, he, he, yes, he's taller. He's a white guy, but I mean, super rangy and hyper athletic with how he tested. And someone that I mean, I thought he was going to be buried, and now he's really interesting because he's a guy that produced at the end. Yes, it's at a lower level. He should dominate because he's from Penn State and he's a strong recruit. Guess what he did? He did exactly what you're supposed to do. Uh, so shout out to to Zach Koontz there. If you're a fan of premium Dynasty audio content, you're going to want to go check out patreon.com slash UTH. That is the sandbox where I go and record a lot of my uh, analytical studies, a lot of these uh, player spotlights, as well as little tidbits of information that is not yet available at UTH Dynasty. Uh, this is where, for example, over the past week, uh, I did a top five top five winners and losers from the NFL Combine there at the skill positions, and it's just a, a more tighter, compact. Uh, consumption of dynasty knowledge there. Uh, also did an instructive series where I did a dynasty NFL mock draft series at the skill positions. We'll redo that in March as we go here after the NFL combine, but basically giving every single NFL uh, team a skill position player. So that's just uh, one of the pieces of content, one of the series that you can find as well as shouting out to the VIP chat room. Uh, I am in there and a few dozen of the most dominating dynasty owners on the planet. And we help each other every single day with trades, startup drafts, and the upcoming rookie draft season. Uh, tons of discussion through the NFL Combine. And when I have observations, when I have thoughts in the dynasty trading market, team building, profiles, I go there first to A, answer questions, B, distill information before I go anywhere else. And if you sign up, you're going to get 30 days of access. You can try it out there with the chat room, uh, the VIP group, as well as all the content you're going to get. Bonus exclusive content at patreon.com slash UTH. All right, Katie, uh, any final thoughts here as we go through? Um, we got some probably a couple Debbie drafts together um, as we come up in March and April at some point. Really fun to do those drafts before the NFL draft. We get some tea leaves, we get the combine, some pro days, but we don't have draft position. And then we put all that together in some of these combo drafts and uh, for team building exercises. Yeah, I love to have rookie drafts before the NFL draft. Um, rookie Debbie combos are super fun as well. But just advice to listeners, please don't start trading your picks thinking that this class now sucks. There is still some very good players and your your draft picks, even if you don't end up liking the 106 or the 107 that you have, 
at the time when it's on the clock, somebody is going to covet that player. They're going to want to trade up. You can still get a good price to get out if you if you just haven't found the right person. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point because I, I think only one or two times in my entire rookie Debbie just annual drafting career have I been quote unquote stuck at a spot and I just really could not get out. And I think one time I took a lot less than I thought I'd take. And then one other time I actually just stuck and, and picked. Um, but you always have options to, as we say, trade out, trade down, trade for a player is another method to do it. I think a lot of people, you know, they're, they're always thinking, oh, I need to fix quarterback. Who should I take at 103? It's a common question we get, Katie. And and then my new answer is now, well, have you shopped it around? Have you added to 103 to try to get a stud quarterback? Have you done this? Have you done that? And it has nothing to do with, should I take CJ Stroud or Bryce Young or anybody, you know, of the rookie variety? You know, that can be an option later on if you explore trading it for maybe a profile you'd prefer. You didn't even know in the trading environment was an option. Uh, so it's always, you have more, many Many times you have more options than you acknowledge or have explored uh, as a dynasty owner. As always, uh, great to have Katie Flower on the show. You can follow her on Twitter at ff underscore Skyler three ninety nine. I got that right after a couple months, couple months off. But of course, this is the time of year if you got some Debbie questions. You're going through uh, spring practices. You got some pipeline guys going through college programs. Got some questions. Katie is one of those great resources to have over there on the social media circuit. I am at Chad Parsons NFL. And until next time, never settle. Refuse to be average and keep building those dynasties. I don't know how much time that you spent at the Senior Bowl looking at his booty. I don't know the difference between 10 inches and five and a half inches.